This is a hat trick podcast. Oh, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Do you remember your sex education? Was it helpful to you? Was it filled with scientific information rather than real, practical advice? I'm Diggory Waite, and this is The Real Sex Education. Each week, I'll be joined by a guest. We'll impart our own sex wisdom, ask our own sex questions, and we'll go over all the things they don't teach you in school. To bring this all together, though, we'll need an expert. A sexpert, if you will. But the only sex and relationship therapist I know is my mum. Hello, mum. Hello, Diggs. In this episode, we speak to writer and illustrator Flo Perry. It's going to be the highlight of my day. We talk about body image. Whatever you're selling, whatever you look like, there's a porn category that is created for you. Advising an audience at the Women's Institute to go home and tell their partners what they wank over. Some woman in the front row went, <gasps> and I was like, yes, especially you. And finding time for sex as a parent. Okay, kids, have you heard of Disney's Aladdin? This is it. Don't talk to me for two hours. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Real Sex Education. I'm Diggory Waite and I'm joined as ever by accredited sex and relationship therapist Kate Campbell. Hello mum. Hello Diggs. Each week mum and I invite a guest on to talk all things sex and relationships. This week we're joined by Flo Perry, author of The How to Have Feminist Sex, A Fairly Graphic Guide. We had a great chat with her, didn't we mum? We did. We spoke a lot about her book, uh, which you both wrote and illustrated. Mm. Um, she's a very, very talented person but she's illustrated other books that you're aware of aren't you she's yeah she's done one one with a friend and she's got one coming out she's illustrated a book of her mum's called couch fiction a graphic tale of psychotherapy which is coming out in november um because her mum's a psychotherapist and her dad is the jolly famous potter grayson perry yeah, we. I went to one of his exhibitions, not really knowing who he was, but having no, no. heard, yeah, exactly, having heard a lot about about him. Mm. Um, the, I mean, so me and Flo connected straight away because not only does she work with their mum in illustrating her book, yeah, but also yeah, her mum's a, a psychotherapist. Yeah, incredible stuff. Well, after our chat with Flo that you'll hear in just a moment, we also open up our mailbox so you have a chance to ask mum, a real sex and relationships therapist, any question you like. You can send them in via email to podcasts at hattrick.com or on Twitter using the hashtag RealSexEdu. That's RealSexEDU. Now, though, it's time for our chat with writer and illustrator Flo Perry, and I began the interview by asking her what her sex education was like. Um, I think it was like crap as is the average of mm -hmm. this country I mean it was fine like I knew how babies were made and like I knew that like you were meant to wear a condom if you wanted to do any of that kind of stuff and like mm. the concept of chlamydia was all there but mm. um like at no point did I did it talk about like that sex is meant to be fun or anything like mm. that 
Um, so I think, like most people, I got my majority of my sex education from my peers and trial and error. Learn on the job, yeah. as it were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what what sort of age were, were you guys talking about that and were those sorts of things happening? I'm, like, fascinated by sex. I've always been, like, a very sexual person. I mean, I wrote a whole book about it, so, like... Yeah, which we are going to get onto. I can't wait to talk about that. Um, so I think by, you know... When I was like 12, it was kind of like all I wanted to kind of think and talk about. Mm. And then slowly through like Googling, I think I kind of grew up in a golden age of the internet, like in the mm. kind of early noughties where Google was very prevalent. But mm. I feel like free online porn wasn't. Or if it was, no one talked about it, so I didn't really discover it. I was a member of this very early social media site, which I kind of like don't want to say the name of because I don't know if it still exists. And I used to write a blog on it, so oh dear, I'm not so people say the name might be able to it. find it. Yeah, uh, but it was called something like the Gay Young People Society. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Different words. Yeah. yeah, it was great. It was like for under twenty five LGBTQ people, and I used to blog on it all the time and read all the forums. So I was, I really enjoyed the blogging aspect, and I had like a reasonably popular blog on it, not to brag. Wow. <laughs> which I've tried to find since and can't, so I really hope no one else oh. can. <laughs> mm, yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, like, I, so I had, like, a good time chatting to, like, other people, mostly in this country, about what it was like being, like, 14, involuntary celibate and mm, kind of bisexual, mm. and that was that was really great. I mean, that will freak some people out, though. And I mean, Mum, as a parent, are you <laughs> thinking a little bit like, oh, God, you know... 14-year-olds chatting about sex online? Not at all, no. No? Because it sounds really helpful. And and Mm. look, Flo's gone on to become a sex educator with her Mm. amazing (laughs) book. And I have to tell you, Flo, Diggs loves your book. He really (laughs) loves your book. Yeah, it's so sad. It arrived arrived just the other day, and I was round mums when it came... I read the first like five pages and I was like, this is the best book I've ever read in my entire life. I'm <laughs> dyslexic and I've always found reading like, you know, a thing for school and all that sort of stuff. So your book is absolutely perfect. Big, nice letters, great subject matter and lots of lovely pictures as well. Pictures. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also uh, dyslexic and I like love graphic novels and I'm like, <sighs> really passionate about them. So it was a no brainer for me to do it like that. Now we're on the subject of your book. I really want to talk about it. And so let's just dive straight in. Uh, What's the book called? It's called How to Have Feminist Sex. How to Have Feminist Sex. Amazing. And how did the book come about? Basically, I saw a lot of like, I read a lot of like quite serious, heavy books on sex in like a kind of feminist viewpoint. But sex is meant to be fun. And that is like something that I think is really missing from the feminist dialogue of sex. And like women hardly ever talked about sex as like a fun thing. It's all about what you should be doing, how much sex you should be having, what's too much, what's not enough. And I wanted to kind of rebrand the focus and be like, this is this is kind of how to enjoy sex and like learn about what you actually want and focus on yourself, really. And it is, you know, I, I cover some heavy stuff. And it's, quite academic in places but in like a way that is funny and fun and accessible for people of all ages to enjoy I think. And what's the response been like to the book? Um, The best thing I get is I probably get like two to three messages on Instagram a week from random Mm. women who are just like I just read your book and thank you so much this is what I needed to hear Mm. I'm gonna give it to all my friends I feel like more relaxed about sex generally and the whole thing because so many women like 
sex as a source of trauma, not only if you've experienced sexual violence, just like being a woman walking around, you have a complicated mm. relationship with sex because you often get sexual attention when you don't want it and then not enough when you do want it. And like it's <laughs> yeah. all like kind of complicated feelings for everyone. And just if I can help anyone think about that and process that, then I'm happy with what I've done. Mm. So it resonates with a lot of women. How would you define feminist sex? Got to read the book, Diggs. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Yeah. As soon as I come back to yours, I'm gonna, I am going to nick it off. <laughs> and I'm so sorry. I think it looks different for anyone. It's a very difficult question mm. to answer. But I think, like, are you actually having the sex you want to have or are you having the sex that you feel like you should have because of a message you've kind of absorbed from society? Mm. And I think that's the main question. If you're, like, in touch with your, like, true desires and you're enacting them and feeling connected to the person that you're doing them with or even just by yourself i think that that's mm. feminist is that the message you want to try and get across with the book then uh, like, like is, is there one thing you really want to get into people's heads when they read it or something that you think is particularly important or that you're proud of in the book i think the thing that like the majority of women need to hear that will change how they have sex is if you were thinner you might not necessarily be happier or even more desired mm. The kind of ideal body that we are shoved down our throats, like you need this, you need to give money to look like this and sacrifice your pleasures in life to look like this. If you if you did achieve that body, there is no guarantee that you'd be happier, that you'd be having better sex, that your boyfriend would fancy you more. Mm. Whatever you're selling, whatever you look like, there's a porn category that is created for you that people like. Mm. Um, mm. And like people are into all different sizes and shapes of people. And some people are like more connected with you emotionally than physically and whatever. And you can be desired physically, whatever you look like. And if you were thinner, you wouldn't probably be happier. It's a, it's a big lie. Mm. Mm. And if you get over that, then you start to get into things like, am I having an orgasm? Is it the right kind of orgasm? Is it good enough? Is it? Am I doing it quickly enough? Am I doing it at all? All of that. There's always something. Yeah. Mm. So, like, let go of, like, all the shoulds and the, like, yeah. what you are kind of sold, like, is this idea of perfection that's just out of reach and be happy with what you can achieve now and let, that's... That's enough, mm. basically. Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing, yeah. I mean, that way, also, you're sort of cheating the system. If you're like, I know I'm being told I'll be happy if I keep striving for this other thing, I'm going to cheat the system, actually just be happy with what I've got and what I'm doing now and what feels nice for me and with my partner. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a that's a great message. <laughs> Is that something then you wish that you'd known back in the day when you were blogging online and stuff? Um, Yeah, I think, like like all teenage girls, I kind of always wanted, like, a flat tummy. And I think... Now I'm very much over that, but that has like mm. taken a lot of work. Mm. I'm not even particularly fat. I'm like a size 12, 14. And for me even, like it took a lot of work. So if you fit into that less, it's like so much work because society tells you so much that you should be thin. Mm. And I wish I'd learned sooner that like you just don't have to be. Taking it back to you, Flo, very personal question. What You've obviously thought about sex a lot. What what does sex mean mean to you? Um, I mean, sex is a huge part of my relationship. Um, as you can see, I'm, I'm in my bedroom right now. I just want to show you. Obviously, yeah. listeners can't see this, but we have a huge poster of oh my word. St. Teresa in ecstasy above my bed. <laughs> 
Yes, that Brilliant. is. That's amazing. And then amazing. we have these naked pictures over here. Oh, don't ignore the mess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, our whole relationship is very sexual and it's very much part of. She's not my friend. She's my lover. Like, mm. I mean, she's also my best friend. We talk about sex every day. Even if we don't have sex, we still talk about it. We relate sexually to each other. And yeah, it's just like a huge part of my life. And like, I need to be having good sex to be happy, basically. And it makes you so much closer with your partner as well if you have regular sex. Like, I notice if like something happens and we don't have sex for like a week or so, you start to get irritated more easily, definitely. Hmm. And how do how do you? Because I know that I I can hear them now. They're screaming. People at home being like, "Well, how do you do that? How do I do that?" Because I feel like there's loads of people out here who want to be having more sex with their partner. Because we speak to people all the time who go, whenever we talk about sex, it's just about, "Oh, are you having any?" Mm. And for so many couples, that's how long have you been going out with your partner for? Um, a year and a half. A year and a half. So even by that point, for for some people, like they're not having sex as regularly. So how do you, how do you get to that point? Um, I think basically if there's something else wrong in your relationship, sex Mm. is probably the first thing to go. If you have another kind of communication issue, if you're irritated at one another, you're not going to want to shag. And I think having open communication and like just talking about issues as they come up is probably the best way to do that. And then after that, like I talk in my book about the um, sex break and the sex accelerator. And that's a really good way to think about your sex drive generally. And mm. things that turn you on hit your sex accelerator and things that turn you off hit your sex break. And I think you really need to think about yourself and think, okay, what actually turns me on? How can I be active in creating like a sexy environment for myself? And it might be like specific kinks or like a certain part of your partner's body or something that they do. But it also might be like having the space and time and relaxation and romance things that they say to you and all of these things and increasing those in your life and then you think what turns you off and that might be like something they do like I don't know personal hygiene Mm. issue or something or like like a a shirt they wear that you hate but it also might be things in your like wider life like if you have stress at work you might not want to have sex Mm. if you can hear like your housemates in the next room talking that might really turn you off and you just have to kind of actively put effort into thinking about what turns me on and what turns me off and how can I decrease one and increase the other and make that a priority for yourself. Mm. I, I think people are reluctant to give it that space and give it that time because I think so many people, like we've said already, think sex should be spontaneous and sex should just be good if things are going well. Whereas I think what you're saying there is it spontaneous. Sometimes, no, you need to set the mood make sure things are right and also give it some serious thought. Yeah, it is really complicated and you do need to work and prioritise it. Mm. Another thing that I think is really good to do is to talk about your sexual fantasies with your partner. Mm. I actually gave a talk um, pre-lockdown to the Manchester Women's Institute, which was super fun. Fantastic. Um, and I was, I was like talking to them and I was like, if you, if you do want to do one thing to improve your sex life, everyone like go home tonight and tell your partner the sexual fantasy that you used to wank about when you were 14. And like some woman in the front row went, <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yes, especially you, you need to, you need to go and like share, like think actively about what do you actually wank about? And then tell your partner that. Again, it's all about communication. That's you being really open and honest. And then that's a, a lot of bonding going on there. But then also maybe would it be about like working to that end or just so you get a better understanding of what your turn-ons are and what yeah, your partner's like, turn-ons are. 
for some people, fantasy is just a fantasy and like, it's like not really about the specifics of the fantasy, but more the feelings they have in that scenario. Mm. And for other people, they literally want to recreate their fantasies. And I think you just need to talk to each other and work out what you want and what you want to include in your sex life. Mm, it's a bit of a luxury, isn't it? Because a lot of people just don't have any time. And during lockdown, mm. either some people have been busier because they've had their kids at home or something, or else they've had more time to reconnect and discover that there aren't any problems with their relationship, even though they thought there were. But now that they've got the time, they've got time for a shower, which makes them feel more like sex, or they've got the time to talk, or they've just got time for sex. The fact that we like, it's like culturally normal to have sex in the evening. Yeah. <laughs> Always like, I think that's the kind of the worst time to have sex in some ways when you're knackered, basically. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I am a real advocate for like blocking out a couple of hours in, in mm. like the afternoon. But that is such a luxury that just not everyone has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you do have to prioritize this and be like, okay, kids, have you heard of Disney's Aladdin? This is it. Don't talk to me for two hours. The runtime is two hours and four minutes. Yeah. We will be back then. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Everybody in this place, come listen to my greatest piece of advice to date. Go home and look your partner in the face and tell them what makes you happy. Chicken nuggets. Not me, your partner. You're supposed to tell your partner. I don't want to know, do I? Chicken nuggets. I can't. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, mum, sexual fantasies. What sort of place do they hold in your therapy when you're therapying clients? Oh, well, it's interesting, actually, because Flo was talking about sharing fantasies and there's Mm. definitely a place for that. And there's been a lot of research done about this, actually, Mm. and how it helps. As she says, there are some fantasies that people want to act out and there's also some fantasies they don't. 
And sometimes there are fantasies that people should keep to themselves, I guess. So, for instance, if if your go-to fantasy is shared with a partner who thinks it's hilarious or or says, oh, that's not very realistic, then it's going to ruin it for you. So you don't want to be sharing that particularly. Or if your partner thinks that you shouldn't fantasise about anybody else and your big thing is Christine, Christine Aguilera or something, then it's going to be really, really mm. difficult if you start going on about her. Yeah, I mean, there are times when it's it's just as well to keep them to yourself because you don't want them ruined mainly. But other times, as Flo says, when it's quite nice to share or to even act out some of them, do a bit of role play. I suppose the the distinction for uh, there is, is what we talked about is creating that environment where both of you feel like you can be completely open and honest. And that means creating an environment of no judgment, which I actually think is very, very hard to cultivate. It really is. So I think when you do go into something like this, as enthusiastic as I was when we were talking about it with Flo, um, I think you really have to be the judge of of whether or not there is any judgment in the room with your partner, which obviously I suppose we all want there not to be, but unfortunately just there is inherently sometimes, I, you know? Yeah, I think I think you have to judge the judgment and judge your, yeah. you know, where you are in the relationship. I mean, I guess you before you start mm. doing the exchanging, you've got to sort of contract and have some boundaries around what's okay and what isn't. And I guess that's what she was basically saying when you've reached that accommodation all bets are off you can share as much as you like and you know definitely works for her and I guess there are people that find it also very difficult to fantasize and need a little bit of encouragement and help with that or feel very embarrassed or self-conscious about it just as they feel self-conscious about their bodies it's what's going on in the head is just as much of of an obstacle Mm. sometimes and the bodies in fact we talked about quite a lot it's almost a mission with flow to encourage people to to be okay with their bodies to love their bodies and quite right too she writes about it in her book and I've I've picked it up in my blog as well this time because I think Mm. it's a really really important issue and she makes some some excellent points Usually towards the end of things, we like to ask our guests, how was it for you? And what did you like talking about today? <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, yeah, if you have any thoughts on, on the last hour or so? I've had a great time. It's been really great for me. Like maybe the best podcast I've ever recorded via Zoom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> how many have you done? This is my only one. <laughs> I thought it might be. Excellent. But is there anything that you'd like to that you'd re- a message that you'd really like to get across to people um i think that you can prioritize sex in your life i think that we are really taught that like sex would just like naturally happen and if it doesn't just happen completely spontaneously and naturally then like there's something wrong mm. but actually like it's an important area of your life that you can put work and time and effort and thinking and I don't mean money, like, I don't think you, like, you need to, like, buy all the accessories necessarily. I mean, like, just some time thinking about what it means to you and, like, having some, like, conscious wanks where you really think about, like, what you what you want, what you desire from life. Oh, have conscious wanks. 
I want to. I, I've said it recently on the podcast. I want to say this again. What a T-shirt that we need to get out there. Yeah, especially if you maybe don't use porn and just try and use what your brain conjures up occasionally. I think that we should all have a friend of mine recently referred to it as an imaginary wank, <laughs> and I think that That's you, such a cute you should name occasionally have an imaginary wank, and then next time you'll be better at googling what kind of porn you actually want to watch. <laughs> exactly. More creatively. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That was great fun. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Thank you. Bye. Can't wait to read the rest of your book. Thanks. Bye. Bye. It's the mailbag. Send Katie queries to podcast.hatch.com. It's the mailbag. Send Katie queries. Podcast at Hatchick with two C's. Hello there. I have a query for Kate. I would like to know when the real sex education mailbag starts. The real sex education mailbag starts right now. Thank you. Thank you so much to Flo Perry for taking the time to speak to Mum and I. And uh, I promise I will take the time now to read her book. And to be honest, I actually can't wait. But obviously, I need to come and nick it off you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now we're going to answer the questions you sent into Kate about all things sex and relationships. You can send in your questions into podcasts at hatch.com or using the hashtag RealSexEdu on Twitter. We kick things off with Anonymous, who asks... This is going to sound weird, but I can't kiss anyone who has been drinking. It really puts me off. I've tried to explain this to my boyfriend, but he doesn't understand how much it grosses me out and upsets me. He mostly just wants to have sex after a drink. What should I do? Mm. So a lot of people have this little quirk, and it's often when they've been kissed inappropriately by somebody who's been drinking, often some old uncle with a scratchy beard who's come in with a wet kiss at some point. Um, Sometimes people are abused by people who've been drinking. So if someone doesn't like it, don't try not to do it, I think, is the answer. I I think her partner does need to take this seriously. And if she has something that she needs to tell him, maybe she needs to tell him. Could it not also just be a case of, you know, sometimes when people have been drinking, particularly certain drinks, their breath stinks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It does. But alcohol has a particular association with, you know, unpleasant experiences earlier in life. I mean, people are often abused by people who've been drinking. So that association immediately springs to mind. Also, people who've had relatives who had a drink problem, particularly parents, often don't like the smell of alcohol. It often puts them off. It reminds them of that sort of thing. So again, if somebody doesn't like it, really, really, you should take it seriously. Yeah, absolutely. We have another question here from Caitlin, who says, I have never been able to use tampons and have had to give up attempts at intercourse because it was so painful. Could this be a tough hymen? It might be. And sometimes just being examined and having being told that everything's okay down there is very helpful. It might be that you're anxious mm. and need to relax. That could be the answer as well. I mean, some people do tense up the minute anything comes near them and, you know, some relaxation and some reassurance that there's nothing unusual going on is usually very helpful. But the hymen isn't like a big, tough thing that needs to be broken and it's a big deal it's it's a stretchy thing with holes in it anyway so the the whole idea of a hymen often frightens people and that's what makes them tense up and makes using tampons so difficult because i think people think of it as like a big like barrier almost like a wall Mm. but actually isn't it 
but isn't it on the walls of your vagina? So it's like a circle, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, and some people's is bigger than others and some people's is more holy than others. And it does tear when you're, when you, you know, just going about your life, mm. um, you know, doing sport and things like that. So it probably is already perfectly fine to insert a tampon. Sometimes, sometimes they are a bit, a bit more of a barrier, and are a bit more, and it is a bit more uncomfortable to insert a tampon in that case, but not always. And I think if you feel any sort of doubt or or un- unpleasantness at all, it's a good idea to go to your GP, get get them to have a look, and to reassure you. If they do think it's just mental, what do you recommend? Because <laughs> mental. <laughs> well, no, it's sorry. If, if they if. Well, I don't know what else to say. If you do think it's like if it's a psychological problem, yeah, that they that they believe that there's something wrong, then being examined and told that it's all fine is usually very helpful. And then then you know usually there's some some cool relaxation exercises mm. which are quite helpful. I mean, the the thing is, you can do kind of what what are known as reverse Kegels and K E G E L. And if you Google reverse Kegels, there's an explanation on how to sort of relax the pelvic floor, which makes it easier to insert a tampon. And actually, some of the tampon manufacturers also have advice on on how to do it. And using a tampon with an applicator rather than trying to shove it in with your finger is often a lot easier as well. What's an applicator? Oh, never mind, Diggs. But it's a sex education podcast. I've got to know. <laughs> well, they, they have... Um, they have either little cardboard or little plastic doobries that kind of make it easier to slip in. It sort of pushes the tampon in. I can't believe you're about to deny me education. Do you know what we're doing here? Just for a minute there, I forgot. Sorry. Right. Well, thank you so much to Flo Perry for speaking to us. And thank you to our resident expert and matriarchal presence, Kate. <laughs> Thanks, Mum. Thanks, Diggs. Yeah, good. <laughs> And thank you for listening. We'll be here in the same place you found us next week, dishing out some more real sex education, if mum feels like she wants to. Sorry, Diggs. See you then. Bye. You've been listening to The Real Sex Education, which is hosted by Diggory Waite and Kate Campbell. The show is produced by Andy Goddard and Diggory Waite. The Real Sex Education is a Hattrick podcast. If you'd like to hear more podcasts by Hattrick, including Time Ghost with Alexander Armstrong and Ben Miller, just search Hattrick Podcasts on your podcast provider of choice. This podcast is based on the real-life relationship between the host, Degree Waite, and his mother, accredited sex therapist Kate Campbell. The show is therefore inspired by but otherwise unrelated to the TV show Sex Education. But yes, Degree does wish his co-host was Gillian Anderson. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 